Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Joshua, the fourth chapter. Today we're starting a brand new series called The Past and the Promise. Turn to the person next to you and say, I've got a past but I've also got a promise. You need to say it like you mean it. I've got a past. How many of you wish you could forget your past? Well, the good news is you do have a promise. And so this entire series is centered around the story of Joshua and the children of Israel. For over 400 years, Israel was in bondage and in slavery until God raised up Moses to lead them out of their captivity. And although Moses led them out of bondage, he did not lead them into the promised land, which brings us to Joshua. Because after Moses dies, God says, Joshua, you are now the man. It is your responsibility to lead the nation of Israel into the place that I have promised for them. It's going to be a great land, and there they're going to be able to prosper And they're going to be able to grow. But in order for them to fully experience the promise of God, there were some things that they had to do along the way. And that's the theme of this series is the things that we need to be doing in between our past and our promise. So we we have a past. We know that we have a promise. What we want to deal with is the and between the past, and the promise. There's a gap there. And what you need to understand is how you handle your gap and what you do with your gap will determine when and how you experience the promise. Turn to the person next to you and say, make the most of your gap. So Joshua, the fourth chapter is where we're going to be starting in verse 1. The Bible says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each a tribe, a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests stood firmly, and bring them with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. I want you to get some stones out of the river and I want them to, I want you to take them and lay them down where you're going to go to sleep tonight. Verse 6 says this. The reason you're going to do this is this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, when your children ask in a future date, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. These stones are going to be a reminder to you forever. It's a sign. How many of you understand the power of sight and smell? 
Have you ever seen something or smelt something that took you back a long time ago? And it's like you're there in that moment again, and you, you can sense the emotion and everything that was happening right there just from a trigger of a sight or a smell. The other day, a friend of mine posted a picture of this on social media. I wanted to show it to you if you bring it up. Clearly Canadian. How many of y'all remember Clearly Canadian? Right when I saw this, immediately I went back to my childhood. Because every Sunday evening, I would ride to church with my dad. He would go early to get ready for service. And we would stop at the BP station. And when I saw that picture, immediately I'm standing there in the BP section. A gas station, and I can see myself in front of the, the drink case, and I can see all the clearly Canadians, and I can see the raspberry one that I want. I can see the cherry one that I want because the things that you see from your past take you back there. What Joshua is saying is we're going to get some stones, and the reason we're going to get some stones from this Jordan is because every time we look at them, it's going to remind us of where we came from. When I see the stone, I will remember that there was once a time I was captive, but now I am free. When I see the stone, I will remember the goodness and the faithfulness of my God. There's a powerful truth to this stone in church. If we want to experience the promise of God, we have to remember where we came from and who brought us out. Because there will come a time that when you step into the promise and you're on the other side of the miracle, that if you're not careful, you'll start thinking you did it. You'll forget where you came from. You'll forget who made it happen. And and, and success can do two things for you. One, it can produce pride or it can produce praise. See, if I think that I'm the one that did it, now, I'm aware that God, God, man, God split the Jordan River for me. I remember walking across on dry ground, but I get, life starts getting a little bit more comfortable. I'm no longer wandering in the wilderness. I'm no longer having to get manna from heaven. Now I'm growing my own garden. Things are good. Retirement plans looking good. Children are healthy. There's no sickness. There's no plague. All things are good. And I stop remembering where I came from and who brought me where I am now and pride starts to develop. And the problem with pride, the Bible says it comes before a fall. What happens is pride will open the door for the bondage you used to live in to come right back knocking at your door. And if you read the story of Israel, you'll see that happen time and time again where God will show up in a mighty way. He'll do something incredible, things will start going good, and Israel will forget where they came from and who brought them out. And the bondage they left comes back on them. So that's one option. My success can produce pride or my success can produce praise. Because when I think about the goodness of the Lord, when I think about his faithfulness, when I remember where I came from, when I remember the times I was on my face crying before the Lord and he heard my cry and he responded to my prayer, when I remember those things, It produces a praise inside of me that will take me into my future. Praise and thanksgiving are produced by the stones we set up 
It becomes a memorial. Anytime God does something good for you, you need to set up a stone. You need to set up something that you can look at, something that can remind you of every time that God was faithful. Because not only does it produce praise and thanksgiving, but these stones become fuel for my future. Turn the person next to you and say, it's fuel for my future. Years ago, I had a motorcycle that had a reserve tank on it. And Randy, our worship leader, he went out riding with us, and I put him on that bike, and I didn't tell him about the reserve tank. Well, he was in the back of the pack, and so we're riding. I mean, we're, we're trucking along. And the next thing we know, Randy's gone. He's nowhere in sight. And so we're all freaking out. Like, what happened to Randy? What, where is he? So we turn back, and we go find Randy, and he's sitting on the side of the road. He ran out of gas. And so I walked over and said, hey, man, there's a reserve tank on it. All you got to do is flip this switch. And when you flip that switch, you get enough gas to get you back on the road. That, that's how fuel for the future works. See, see, fuel in the gas tank is for the moment. But what's in the reserve tank is fuel for the future. When, when I can't go any further, I know that I've got some fuel there that I can just flip a switch, and that's what the stone does. Because how many of you know there will be times in life where you get tired, you get worn out, you don't feel like you can carry on anymore? But if you've got a stone you can look at, you can remember if God did it then, he will do it again. If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful today. And it gives me the fuel I need to keep on going, to keep on moving. Israel's going to need this because it's not always going to be easy. There's some battles that they're going to have to fight. Like right now is a moment of victory. Hey, we're crossing over the Jordan. God is splitting the waters. This is awesome. But there's some giants on the other end. And if I don't got some stones to remind me of everything that God has brought me through, then when I see the giant, my heart fails. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got to set up some stones. You've got to set up some stones. That's what we're doing here as a church. We're collecting stones along the way to remind us of where we came from and the God who has brought us to where we are. And I want to say this, we are not where we are because of anything that we have done. It is because of what God has done for us. And today we are standing inside a miracle. We are standing in a place that people said could not be done. That's what they told me. They said you'll never be able to build another building on that property. But see, I know a God who specializes in the impossible. And I was able to look back on some stones that I've set up in my life. And I've got a lot of them. One of them is sitting there in Kennesaw, Georgia, our first location. That's a stone that I'm reminded of how God started a church and planted a church. And I remember all the miracles. I remember his faithfulness. Up there on a hill, right there, that's a stone. And today we are standing in another stone. And any time... We see God move. This is for you. Anytime you see God move, you've got to set up a stone. A stone can be a picture. A stone can be something you write in a journal or a diary. Something that you can continually go back to.
to produce the praise you need, to produce the thanksgiving that you need, to produce the fuel that you need for the future, and to produce the faith you need for the moment. Joshua says we've got to set up some stones so that anytime we come back by here and I see that stack of stones, we'll remember this day. We'll remember this moment. But here's what you need to know. The stones aren't just for you. They're also for the future generation. See, Joshua tells them, these stones are going to be a sign for you, but also in the future when your kids and your grandkids walk by and they say, hey, why is there a stack of stones there? You're going to tell them, there was a time that we, we weren't free. We haven't always lived in this promised land. There was a time that we were in slavery, but God, with a mighty hand, came and brought us out. There was a time we were wandering in the wilderness. We were stuck there. And the thing standing in between where we were and where we wanted to go was the Jordan River. And God, with a mighty hand and his outstretched arm, he split the Jordan River. We are where we are today. We're eating the honey and the fruit of this land because we serve a God who is faithful. This is important. This is important. I can't keep what God has done just to myself. I've got to have some stones to show the future generations so that my faith can become their faith. Because faith is transferred. Faith can be shared. Did you know that? The things that you experience now And the testimonies that you collect along the way can be used to build the faith of your children, your grandchildren, of those that are coming up. Those that maybe they haven't fought the battle that you've had to fight yet. And you can tell them, God did it for me and he'll do it for you. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verse 5, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Get this. Timothy, I'm thinking about you today, and I'm reminded of your sincere faith. This is a true faith. This is a faith that's been tested. It was a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure that it dwells in you as well. Timothy has a faith that was passed down. We need to be a people that pass down our faith. We're not just building a church for us. Did you know that? This is not just a place for us to come and enjoy the presence of God. This is a place that we are building so that the future generation can come and build upon what we have done. That's how, that's how God works. You need to know that. God works generationally. He'll start way back with a man named Abraham. And he'll give Abraham a promise of some land. He'll give Abraham a promise of some kids. But Abraham won't see the land and Abraham won't see the kids. All he'll see is Isaac. And then hundreds of years later, you'll see a man named Joshua that says, now it's time to go in. It builds generation upon generation. One man sows. 
another man waters, then God brings the increase. What are we doing? We are sowing into something right now that will be a blessing to us, but it's also going to be a blessing to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I know this because I am standing here today as a result of those who have gone before me. If you don't know my story, in the early 1900s, my family lived in Armenia. And they received a prophetic word from God saying, you need to leave Armenia and go to the United States of America. They responded to that word. After they left, the Turkish people came in and started massacring all the Christians there in Armenia. Every single person from the village my family is from was completely exterminated. But my family and some other families made it to the United States because of a word from God. They moved in faith. Others stayed. They mocked them because the prophecy was given 50 years before they actually had to go. And people mocked them, kind of like they mocked Noah. Where's the water? Where's the rain? Where's the flood? Why are you building the boat? But guess what? The flood came. My family moved here to the United States, and part of that prophecy was, I'm going to bring you to the United States, and you are going to be a blessing to the nations. And from that moment, my family has planted churches. They've ministered all over the world, and we are reaping the benefits of things that they sowed. I'm standing in victories of the battles that they fought. And I fully intend to pass the faith I have received from them down to the next generation. That is our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be a people of faith that will pass it down. So the person next to say, pass it down. I want to show you this in Joshua, the 24th chapter, verse 14. This is the end of Joshua's story. They've come into the land of promise. Listen to what Joshua says to them. Because I want you to hear this today. Although we are standing in this building that we've been looking forward to for a long time, this is not the end. This is not the end. In my mind, this is the beginning. You You hear what I'm saying? This is the beginning. Our children's classes in the future will be this size. Because I know that God has called us to reach a people. God has placed us here for a purpose. We are not here by accident. We are here by design to be a lighthouse, a city set on a hill. That's who we are. And so now Joshua and Israel, they're in this promise. And this is what he says to them, Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. I want to stop right there. Because when I'm talking about a legacy of faith and I'm talking about the people that have gone before me and how faith is transferred and shared, some of you didn't have that. And what I'm going to say to you today is be the first link in that chain. You can turn everything around in a moment. God gives Abraham a promise. Abraham's parents didn't believe and serve God. Abraham was the first link in a chain. We now call him the father of 
faith. Through his offspring came Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Why? Because he said, I'm going to be the first link in the chain. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to have faith. Somebody wrote me the other night because my father was here Wednesday. We prayed. And they said, I want that. I want my kids to look up to me the way you look up to your father and your, your grandparents. And what I want to say to you today is they can. But you've got to make the decision that you are going to have a faith that can be passed down. That is something that has to be seen inside of you through how you act and how you respond and what you value. You cannot devalue the word of God, the work of God, and the church of God and expect your kids to celebrate it when they get older. See, I came from a family that if you were sick, you went to church. You know why? Because you needed healing. That's how I was raised. And so it doesn't matter what I have done in my life. I mentioned to you last week some of the stupid choices I made when I was a teenager. I still showed up the next morning. You know why? Because there was a value placed on the house of God. And as I got older, their faith became my faith. Their example became my example. When, when crisis would hit, they didn't freak out and panic. They went to God. I've seen God move. I've seen God touch lives. And I want my kids to see the same thing I've seen. I want your kids and your grandkids to see the same things that I've seen. I want you in this church to see the same things I've seen. I'm telling you, God has not changed. And he is not dead. He is very much alive. He still speaks. He still moves. He still heals. He still speaks. He still moves. And he still heals. And if you want to know something about this church, we're going to be a church that experiences all of it. So Joshua says, he says, you need to get rid of the gods your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. You make up your own mind. Whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me. I don't care what you decide to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does that mean? 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 Jim, I've made the decision that I'm going to serve the Lord. And I know my kids are going to serve the Lord because I'm going to lead with an example they can follow. You have to set the pace. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Think about the power of that statement. Bob, he doesn't say, hey, go follow Christ. I mean, that's great. Everybody should follow Christ, right? I mean, how many of you agree that's a good thing? Follow Christ. But Paul doesn't say that. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if you'll follow me, you'll find Christ because I'm walking in his direction. I'm setting the pace. I've got an example you can follow. And if you'll follow me long enough, you'll find Christ, and then people will be able to follow you. That's what discipleship is all about. It's about you 
living a life that is touched by Christ, you following Christ and allowing others to see in you how to find the Christ that you serve. We've got to set the pace. We've got to pass this thing down because it's not just for us. It's for the future generations. Wednesday night when we were in here praying, I saw kids with their hands raised. And I thought, how wonderful. Because this isn't just for us, it's for them. And we've got to make sure that there is a place that they can step into and build upon. Because if not, when we die, it dies. And God have to send another. I don't want that. I don't want God to have to send somebody else. I want God to use your kids and my kids to carry this work on. And I believe that we can see that. If we will set our minds and our hearts to seek the Lord, if we'll make the decision that we're going to put priorities in their proper place, because I promise you, please hear what I'm saying. So many times I say stuff and people do not listen. The example you set will be the example your children follow. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say we value God and we value the house of God. But if you set the example that this does not matter, it will not matter to them. Today, we're setting up a new stone. And today, I want you to start setting up some stones in your life and in your family. Be aware. Start collecting them along the way. It may seem small, but write it down. I can't tell you how many times it's helped me to go back and just remember something that's happened before. You'll get a phone call. Somebody in your family, they're sick. They're dying. And I can go back to a stone where God healed and delivered. People have struggles with infertility. We can't have a child. And it causes panic and worry. But I can go back to a stone where they told my mother she would never have children. That she was physically incapable of having kids because of a surgery they did to her years ago. Yet here I stand. And I've got two other brothers. You know why? Because God does whatever he wants to do no matter what the doctor says. And God does what he wants to no matter what legislation says. God is God. He is in control. He is seated on the throne. And he wants to bring you into the place that he has promised for you. But there are some things that you've got to do along the way. Would you stand with me?